This episode of the Flush Podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, Walton's, Nutrisource Pet Foods, Aluma Trailers, Grain Belt Premium Beer, North Dakota Tourism, and by Federal Ammunition. We're live at Bear Cave Brewing in Hopkins, Minnesota for a rooftop episode with my friend Brian Kelvington from Federal Ammunition. We'll talk about the state of ammo in America, new upland loads, hunting ethics, and a whole lot more. We'll see what we get into, Brian. I'm looking forward to it, Travis. A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. May your long shot stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stock. May your call to the wild be answered. And at the end of the day, may you share in the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the eight pointers and the 12 ounces. Here's to you and to your thirst for adventure. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12 and 24 pack cans. For more information, visit our website at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. Welcome to another episode of the Flush Podcast, live from the rooftop of the Bear Cave Brewing in Hopkins, Minnesota. I am Travis Frank. I'll be your host tonight. Brandon Morton, unfortunately, had to leave. So we have a little bit of a change of plans. And uh, my guest tonight, Brian Kelvington, sitting next to me here. It's a beautiful fall evening. It's spectacular. One of the last nice... Warm rooftop evenings. The patio here is full of people eating. We've got some bird hunters sitting out in front of us. I see a couple of dogs. I met one of them there that's pretty darn excited to get after it. Um, For everybody in the audience here tonight, we're going to be talking. If you guys have any questions or questions for Brian specifically, questions for me, come on up. All these items here, we want you guys to take them with you. When you go, uh, I see Kang over there. He's working down some pizza. Good evening, Kang. How's the pizza? Pretty good. All right. Good deal. Tim, good to see you again. Tim, at some point, I want you to come up and tell us how many birds you're seeing out at your place. Sound good? Yeah. You can lie. You can exaggerate. I know. He tells the truth. Brian, how are you feeling after yesterday? Have you recovered? Yes. Um, We had the honor of going down to Horse and Hunt. Yeah. And... uh, Shoot some sporting clays, have a nice lunch, talk about the upcoming seasons, kind of a pre-prepped tonight. We get excited, yes. a little bit work on our shot, but here's the thing. We both got knocked out by Rob Burrell oh. in our Annie Oakley game. And That's and, what I mean, recovered. Like I, An I, email was sent today, too. I don't know. If, was that Starkey? Was he's already, I know. He's already talking trash. He's sitting over there tonight, too, and... I'm not going to let him come up and jump on the mic. Maybe I should bring my Annie Oakley um, trophy from a couple <laughs> years ago out next time. What is it about? There he goes, strutting over there. Yeah, Rob like Buck. a peacock. I know. What is it about when, because I've seen you shoot before. You're a good shot. But what is it about when you miss that instantly gets you in your head thinking about it? Like, I can never hit another bird again. Even we're shooting at clays, but I mean... It just sticks with you. That orange disc drives me bonkers. Yeah. But if a bird cackles, I don't miss very often. It, why is that? Because for know. the longest time, I felt pretty good about my shot until a video camera started following my every move. Then it's just the pressure's too much. But growing up, like I just, I'd pull up and shoot, and a lot of times, most of the time, a bird would drop. Yeah. Then you go to the range and you shoot clays, and you're like, what am I doing here? And then it gets in your head a little bit. But as long as I can hit a bird that flushes and cackles and I can eat at the end of the day, I'm, I'm usually pretty happy. That's the way I feel. I mean, yeah. I, I love shooting sporting clays. It's a lot of fun. It's good entertainment. It's good opportunity to warm up for the season. Um, but I don't know. If, if I, it's like you see this orange disc. But mm-hmm. as growing up hunting, you're, you're, tra- you're trained to say butt, belly, beak, pull the trigger, right? Because yeah. you got a little bit of lead. Um, and that orange clay, I don't see tail, I don't see a body, and I don't see a beak. Right. So I don't know why it is a mental hurdle, but um, and certain shots, like we struggled, all of us yesterday struggled on the straightaway going away, and I don't understand it. It yeah. should be an easy shot. So it it depends, uh, like 
when a bird gets up, you don't typically think about, oh, are you going up? Are you going down? Are you going, you know, like yep. you just put it on and you just pull the trigger. And yep. I think that's why the, the clay thing gets into your mind a little bit because depending on where it's launching and which direction it's coming, yep. it's either going up or down and you have to really, you have to anticipate where that clay is going. And, and obviously that makes people a better shot, but yep. um, you have to anticipate a little bit differently. Typically, a bird isn't going to go up and down, and, yep. you know, different directions there. Which, I, I mean, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a fun it's game. Fun. It's and, and when we fun. get together like that, we always do that Annie Oakley. <laughs> and for somebody who doesn't know that, basically what we're doing is every one of us get in a line. You know, like if you're shooting trap. And at this station that we were at, we told the, the guy pulling, "Don't tell us where it's coming from." So whoever is up to shoot. The person to his right, right, his or her right, then gets the next shot. If you miss, that person has a chance to hit it. If they hit it, you're out. Okay. If that person misses, it goes to the next and the next and so on down the line. And then you could wipe everybody you wipe out everybody. if you hit it at the end. Yeah. yeah. So however many people miss, that's how many people you can take out. Last person standing wins. I got a couple victories. Yes, you did. I feel pretty good about that. But Rob. Rob won like three that's times what, That's why I'm salty. Yeah. That's un That's... I don't even want to go to the office and put up with that. But well, we like I mentioned, we got an he took email me out today. Twice. We got an email the, uh, today yeah. reminding us of his uh, prowess. <laughs> That's what I mean. He's never going to let us live Talk, it down. Talking trash. Well, I just like I said yesterday, I I was disappointed I missed some easy shots, which would have had opportunities to knock people out. Yep. Um, and that made me more disappointed than missing a ten foot putt. And people know I'm pretty. People who know me know I'm a pretty competitive golfer but yesterday i was frustrated i could see it do you it's get okay. that way in the woods ever or in no. the field no because no. every experience is outstanding yeah and um i don't i don't view it like that i don't view it as losing uh if a bird if i miss a bird yeah i just know that i get another experience in five seven ten more minutes i'm i'm like i'm likely to have another experience and so sure that's extends my day out in the woods but when you only have 50 targets on the on your card, that's all you're shooting, so every miss sucks. Right. Oh, I know. I got. I, I left on fire, though. I you was, did. I was you feeling did. really good. So even though Rob beat me in Annie Oakley, I still took, like, 10 for 10 on my last shots. Yeah. Just double, double, boom, 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 boom. I got boom, a couple boom. doubles on the end. You the did. You end, pulled, so. yeah. And then you dropped the mic. Or you don't drop a gun, but you dropped the mic, and you walk away. <laughs> you just walk away feeling, feeling good. Feeling good, yep. It's like if I golf, which I don't get to do very often. If I hit one good shot, I look at it, and I say, and that's why I'll come back next time. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Brian, you work at Federal. You've been working there for 15 years, 17? 17 years. Okay, 17 years. What's your position there? I am the director of media. Okay. Um, with that position, I help coordinate our paid media efforts, earn media. So we work with writers, um, influencers. Now I think the term now influencers. is influencers. Yep, yep. Um, and then I also have conservation youth shooting sports under my um purview so gotcha. we have uh, just a great marketing team um, a lot of skilled people that just have passions and drives to get um, our products and and our passions out to the people well i think if you go almost anywhere right now to any pheasants forever quail forever event or you know you think pheasant fest that's big you can't go to even a uh, a local sporting goods place without seeing the federal logo flying everywhere and you guys are a part of a lot. You're part of conservation organizations, you're part of shooting sports, uh, youth sports. I mean, your reach, like, we get to work together, and that's yep. fun, but you're working with hundreds or thousands of other people around the country, different events. I mean, I think about how often I get hit up for, you know, fundraising events to donate a fishing trip or a hunting excursion or something like that. You must get, like, a thousand requests a day. So they are frequent, and we do have really strong partnerships with a lot of the national organizations. We're one of the longest partners with Pheasants Forever. Mm -hmm. We have a really deep relationship with NWTF, a lot of organizations, and we're one of the few companies that has a dedicated position, dedicated to talk to those individual, and talk to chapters, organizations, mm -hmm. um, national, and his name is John Zinnel. He does a fantastic job. Not to mention as well as our, our, our commitment to the youth shooting sports, yeah. where we offer programs for um, high schools, colleges, universities to get ammo so that they can, they can uh, participate and have their practice and have their competition. So yeah. um, just a dedicated crew. Uh, we have a fantastic events team. 
Uh, we're, we're at all these different events, national events, whether it's the Pheasant Fest, we're a title sponsor uh, of that event. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, Pheasants Forever is our longtime, one of the longest partnerships, one of the founding, I believe we're even one of the founding partnerships. Yeah. And so we, every year we're at Pheasant Fest, and I find that show to be fantastic. I mean, yep. uh, next year it's in Sioux Falls, I believe, so yep. you're right there in, in bird country, and there's always well-attended. They had 25,000 people this year, I believe. The, the passion is is really deep in yeah. this upland world right, right here that we're in. And, I mean, your commitment just goes a long way. Anytime you get somebody who can back the con conservation organizations like you're doing, I mean, obviously, it gives them the power to keep pushing forward and, and keep on inspiring others, keep doing the work, yep. keep doing the things that are needed out there on the ground. So... I mean, it's a core value yeah. for federal. It's been there part of our 101 year history. We're 101 years old this year. Yep. And we have uh, leadership in our, in our CEO, uh, Jason Vanderbrink, who, who in all of our mission statements, conservation and heritage, it's part of our DNA. It's who we are and we will always give back. We will always make sure that there is habitat, there is opportunities for um, access. We're going to do whatever we can to make sure that people have the abilities to do what they want to do and get out there and, and um, support sport wildlife, sport conservation, and participate in any activity they want to that uh, hunting and shooting related. In the last hundred years, obviously you can't speak to a hundred years for the organization, but you can speak to the last five. And what a roller coaster ride the last five years has been in the firearm and ammunition industry. We've we've been on, you've been on the show before, yep. and I've I've drilled you because yep. I get asked from our listeners and viewers about where can I get the ammo? Where's the ammo? We even did an episode titled "Where's the Ammo?" You were on, and you you answered a lot of the questions. Where are we at today now, going into hunting season 2023? Here, I mean, there's a lot of states that are about to open up here if yep. they haven't already for upland birds. Where's the ammo supply at today? compared to what it was three years ago, two years ago, and last year? Well, so the pandemic, obviously, we're, everybody's aware, um, caused there to be quite the, de the demand and rush on buying ammo. And we simply just didn't have uh, enough product to, to, to meet that demand. Even despite working 24-7, and our workers did a tremendous job of doing the best they could to get product out. But there's supply chain issues, whether it was... Um, components that we couldn't get based on, you know, for a variety of reasons, correct? Mm -hmm. um, but we did, we worked, our teams worked 24-7 to try to meet every demand we, we could. We just couldn't keep the pace. But, and so with that, as that pandemic came in, this influx of new shooters came in. I think um, we're reporting, or the NSSF reports about 18 million new users that came into the industry just as the pandemic and the Since civil when? unrest. Since the pandemic okay. and, and civil unrest. 18 million, 18 million in America here. In America. Uh, so that's a, that's a large population. Can you imagine mm -hmm. if you're building to normal patterns and now you've got all this influx? It was just such a demand and pressure that mm -hmm. the factories couldn't, and, not, and just all the factories, right? Not just us, right? There's other of our competitors too. We just sure. couldn't meet the demand. Now we're back to some normalizing patterns. Right, we still have a higher part, higher base, but still there is um, there's still a higher demand. There, higher base, obviously, so that mm -hmm. baseline now was higher. So there is more demand for product. Sure, but we, we're we're catching up. I think Shot Shell is at a good place right now. Nine millimeter and two two three. Now there's plenty of opportunity to purchase on the shelves. You can go into any of your shields, mills. Mm -hmm. those, and you're gonna find you're gonna find nationwide. You nationwide. feel like it's does is there are there areas though because I I get I'll talk about ammo or something and then I'll get a random email from somebody or a message saying my shelves are empty or I can't get that shell here. So is it I, na is it really nationwide or do you try to send you know number five Prairie Storm into every Midwest uh, retail store or how does it work? So I mean. You know, we have, there's buy groups and they're buying for their, their dealers. We sell direct to uh, big box retailers. And we also have, um, uh, we have some, you know, direct relationships as well. So, you know, we, we do the best we can, Travis, to meet all the demand mm -hmm. that there is out there. Yep. Like I said, I think there's, there is, mark, there is product now in the marketplace. They're on the shelves. 
Shotshell is, is doing well. I think hunters won't have problems finding what they want this year. Um, nine millimeter, two two three, small caliber rifle. The the still the demand of the back orders a little bit uh, is on center fire rifle. That that big game, where there's still quite a demand, and we're still trying to catch up. And are, is that because people are hoarding it when it comes out? You know, it's, purchasing behaviors are tough to define. Everybody's sure. got their reasons for buying their own ammo. I don't want to pin it on on buying on fear. That's not a that's not an appropriate comment right. for me. Yep. Um, but people have their reasons why they purchase their ammo and. And um, sure, we want to know why they're buying ammo, but uh, to comment on on uh, hoarding, I, mm -hmm. it's well. I think that was you know different manufacturers outside of the ammo industry during COVID. They would say when an item became available, they stocked up because they didn't know when it was going to come back again. And ammo was one of those. Yep. So if people would see a case, I even my in my hunting circle, I'd get a text from somebody, hey, I or you know like it would go out to all of our our hunting buddies. Uh, this is back on the market or on the shelves. Does anybody want it? I'll pick it up, you know. So we, we heard those anecdotal stories, stories as well. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's, uh, our, again, our focus was just supplying our Your focus was just to make as many as you exactly. possibly could. to keep our factory and our workforce safe, yeah. healthy, keep the factory running, and build as much ammo as we could in order to serve that demand. That was our primary, that was our focus. And um, so, again, uh, commenting on people's purchasing habits, right. why they were why they were driven to do what they did, mm -hmm. is um, I, I couldn't speak to that. We can't incredibly. obviously predict anything like that ever Correct. happening again. But there's a direct correlation to major political events or tragedies in America and gun sales, right? I know you probably don't want to speak to this. But there is All I a direct say, correlation there. And I, I would have to imagine, I know it does affect ammunition as well. Yep, and there's always a little a lag, too, as well, for if somebody buys a gun. There's usually a six-month lag where you see um, the re... You know, they, they might buy two boxes of ammo the day that they get their gun, or their dealer might give them two boxes of gun with the purchase of that gun. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to start getting familiar with that gun and then start buying additional down the road. So there's a, a six-month lag sometimes on that and that ammo cycle after the gun purchase where we might see the uh, the spike gotcha so right now you guys go into the season you're feeling good about where ammo's at i'm not hearing complaints from anybody are you still nope good nope. good i mean because like i said there's still a little bit of back order there's mm -hmm. still a good demand on centerfire rifle but you know like i said we're catching up we're catching up that's good glad to hear that where um where are we at as far as, you know, you guys are always trying to up your game and, um, you know, bismuth is a, is a big deal right now in the upland world, in the waterfowl world. You've got some new loads coming out this year. Yep. Um, maybe give us an update on where things are at there. Yeah, so one thing that's unique about, at least I like to think about our, our business, um, is that we try to serve every customer. Um, there are, every consumer has their preferences. They want to shoot traditional ammunition, which is lead, or non-traditional, and we offer bismuth, steel, tungsten. Mm -hmm. So we're creating products to serve all of our consumers' needs. And we have um, got into the bismuth a little bit more. Uh, we've, we have our sister uh, company, Heavy Shot, who, builds, who makes um, their own proprietary Heavy Shot. And so some of the collaboration, um, pellet, the bismuth pellets, it's pellets the collaboration between our companies, between Heavy Shot, Federal, and Remington, we're able to institute some of the best practices and, and share. And this is one of the cases where Federal is now loading Heavy Shot's bismuth into a Federal hull with a Federal wad. And uh, so the, the end user gets a great product mm -hmm. um, that they, they can choose to hunt with. And bismuth, obviously, the advantages to bismuth for waterfall and upland hunters is that you can have it in your bag, and you don't have to change. Sure. And it's good. And bismuth is a little softer than, than lead, so it's good on um, firearms of new and old. So if you have your grandpa's old 16-gauge, you certainly can shoot bismuth and not have to worry about it. People don't have to worry about changing out a choke. Nope. Just go hunt. Just go out and Just hunt. like you would if you were shooting your other shot shell, right? Yep. Yep. That's, that's good. The flush. So fast, it hardly seems real. 
So vivid, the moment freezes in time before erupting in a blur of spurs and feathers. It's why we changed the way Upland loads are built with Prairie Storm. Exclusive flight control FlexWad technology and a mix of copper-plated lead and flight stopper pellets combine to create dense, deadly shot strings through any choke. Longer shots, more power, fewer missed birds. Only from Federal. Now is a great time to make the most of all that tasty meat you harvested. Maybe it's time to try a new recipe, sprinkle on a new seasoning, or make your own jerky and sausage. Trust me, it's not that hard to do, and it can be fun for the whole family. It doesn't matter what you harvested or what you want to prepare with it. Walton's has you covered. Walton's has everything but the meat. That's their motto. Waltons.com has everything, and I mean everything you need to process and prepare your meat. Plus, they have an online community called Meatgistics that's full of recipes and meat processing information. The sky's the limit, my friends. You don't have to be a pro to cook like one. Head to Waltons.com today and enjoy meat processing season. Thankfully, it's a season that never ends. A healthy dog is a happy dog, and a dog's optimal health ultimately starts with an optimal diet. That's why I trust Nutrisource Performance Dog Food to keep Daisy healthy and running to her full potential. Nutrisource now has a full circle feeding plan that can help your dog achieve their full potential too. The full circle feeding plan revolves around their entire lineup of Nutrisource dog foods that contain their good for life system. The Nutrisource good for life system is packed with probiotics, prebiotics, and proprietary minerals that work together to support your dog's heart health and gut health. By combining this system and all of their dry foods and wet foods, you can rotate carbs and proteins like chicken, beef, fish, and lamb to meet and exceed your dog's needs and accelerate their natural desire to eat. Plus, their toppers like kombucha add even more health benefits for our dogs. Learn more about Nutrisource dog foods and the benefits of their full circle feeding plans at NutrisourcePetFoods.com. Speaking of chokes, so this last week I used, uh, you saw them yesterday when yep. we were shooting, those orange choke tubes. And, and instantly, because they grab your attention, they are, people are I, like, yeah, they catch your eyes. Yeah. Like, wh what are those? Where are those choke tubes? Because nobody's ever seen them before. Well, Kicks choke tubes. They make choke tubes for a lot of different applications, obviously, but they came out with an Upland flush line, they're calling it. Okay. And I got to shoot them last week, and I will say that I don't want to toot my horn here because I got a lot of hunting season left, but holy crap, I was hitting, I was shooting really good. Maybe it was the chokes. It's also the fact that, like I did yesterday when we were shooting, I um really make it a point or i'm trying to make it a point this year to slow down the natural tendency is to just the bird gets up and you get flustered or you want to just hurry the shot yep but i think it was just the fact that i was able to just slow down and take my shot and boom the birds were falling um that's something i really am trying to emphasize this year and and it's partly because, you know, if there's a dog on point, I don't have to worry about, you know, is it when it's going to flush. I'm the flusher, you know. Yeah. But I think that that to me is, is just something that I'm really working on this year. Is there anything in your hunt that, you know, you've been doing this for a while, but I feel like we always want to do something a little better. Anything for you? For me, it's always. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate I've, that. I've got to be patient. I, I like you. Um, sometimes I'll rush. Handsome, tall, well, full I mean, head of hair. Okay. Neither you like one, me in a different one of way. us are tall. <laughs> yeah. I think our wives might think our, we're handsome. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I hope so, if you're listening, honey. But I am fortunate enough to have at least a full head of hair. <laughs> I'll rub it in. All right. Well, but no, I mean, just, I, I think you're right. Just, is be patient. I think you're un it's unfortunate that you don't because I'm ready for hunting. I'm also ready for a wedding at the exact same time. I never have to worry about my look. Sure, my smell might be a little bit, but I never have to worry about my look. I'm always an eight, I'm always a 10. Never have to, hold on, I got to comb my hair. So well, you're, I'm sorry that you I know have a I full head of hair. Yeah, I know. Sometimes, you know, we have to have maintenance. There's maintenance to go with us, right? We don't, yeah. we don't get pretty like this every day, right? Yeah, it sure, work. sure. It takes work. No, but yeah, I think just to go back, it's just uh, be patient. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> Just like we talked about it yesterday too, golf, you you hit ten thousand drivers off the tee box uh, at the range before you ever go out, right? 
So it's a great place to go to uh, your local range, shoot some sporting clays, shoot some trap, just get some repetition so you uh, get familiar with your gun because all guns don't shoot the same, Yeah. right? That's why we talk about patterning guns before you go out. I think that's a really important thing to do is, and people say, what does patterning your gun really mean? Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of getting your, your shotgun on a rest, get some paper out, a paper target, draw a 30-inch circle, yeah. put it at 40 yards, take some shots with, take, you know, take some shots and then analyze where your pattern's at. And that, how many hunters do you think, bird hunters, do you think actually do that? That's One a out of a hundred? I would hope not. I bet it is. It think could, of all your friends. How many of them do it? Um, well, I'm in my friends, in my, in my department, you know, my hunting group in my, at the office, yeah. I, everybody, once they get their new gun, if they get a new gun, or mm -hmm. maybe at the beginning of the year, probably will put it on paper just to pattern it to make sure where it's shooting. Mm -hmm. um, I would hope the number is higher than one in 100, but I, I, I couldn't tell you. It's weird because when you go deer hunting, I, you really shouldn't shoot a gun or shoot at a deer without knowing where your gun's sighted in at. I mean, you Absolutely owe it to not. the animal. Absolutely. Same with the turkey. You're doing the exact same thing, you know? So I've got two different chokes in my gun. I want to know where each one goes. Go out and fire it. Yeah. And especially if you get different different loads. Every time we go out to a turkey camp, we always, every almost every hunter will shoot a couple couple rounds because they want to know where their gun's shooting at, yeah. right? Because uh, you're right. You owe it to that animal to make a clean, quick, ethical shot so that the bird doesn't suffer, the animal doesn't suffer. Sure. Yep. Um, hey, Tim. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. Do you want to come over here and, and give us just a quick update on, on what you're seeing for bird numbers? As long as we've got you. I know you're, I know you're watching those things really closely. Can you hear me? I got gotcha. you. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm going to talk generally in you know Brown County and, and some of the sure. uh, Minnesota Road Count DNR survey stuff yep. too. Yep. Like where we're at in Brown County, you know, we've always been you know call it in the brown zone, which is the good zone by the DNR Road Count map, mm -hmm. and we've been like that for years. I will tell you that I'm thinking this year is no different than last year, and even though they say we were kind of in, in our region, which is pretty big, down 11%, I don't think it is, okay? Yeah. I think there's a misnomer there because in May, we got almost a foot of rain in western Brown County. So a lot of nests got washed out early, which was, they're going to get it washed out, that's a good time to do it because then they go re-nest. And I'm seeing two types of birds, either fully grown, plumed, getting color, or really small you know, call it the size of a, you know, softball, you know. And I will, there are more adult birds than, than smaller birds. Okay. And I, so I think they're just as good as last year. And you thought last year was good? Last year was good. And, but I'll tell you, in southwest Minnesota, I don't know if you read that report any further, like Worthington, Nobles County, you know, my friend Scott Rawl. Yeah. 100% increase. Over last year? Over last year, 100%. Right. Right. So, so it, this is, and Ryan, we'll, we're going to touch on this too. Um, maybe, Tim, thanks for coming up. Uh, maybe hand this back yep. to, to Brian here. But uh, if you want to comment on this, you certainly can. Um, you know, last week we're in North Dakota. Right. And North Dakota publishes the numbers just like Minnesota, just like Iowa. South Dakota is one of the only states that does not do that anymore. So we're out there and we do this little video and we say, you know, we're out in the field here filming and and we just first first walk, birds get up. We each got a Hungarian partridge and and we said, you know, there's a lot of birds out here right now. And the fish and game are reporting that the hunt numbers are up 200%. Sharptails were up 116% and pheasants were up 60% statewide. Those are just numbers reported. Holy crap, did we get blasted on social media for saying that? And I was like, I'm looking for at the reporting facts. For just reporting what the state posts out there. And they're like, this is what's wrong with hunters today. And, and social media is ruining hunting. And, and, and uh, I, I will tell you, don't get on a Montana board because they don't like anybody from out of state. Say that into the mic a little closer. Don't get on any Montana hunting boards because they don't like anybody from out of state, especially from California or Mont Minnesota. 
Well, Brian, you and I touched, talked about this a little bit yesterday, too, yep. and, and our role in the hunting world as a hunter. Okay. If we don't produce a television show and, and, and inspire people to go out there, then, I mean... Where's the growth? Where's the growth? Yes, we have that's, to have growth in our sport. We have to bring the next generation up. Yes. So for us, and I said, this is a great year to come out and try this. If you've ever thought about it, bring a friend, bring your daughter, bring your son. I mean, bring somebody out there. If you want them to experience something that we love this much, then this is a great time to do it. There's no hot spotting by saying that the state is up. <laughs> 60% on pheasants and 100% on sharp tails. If we don't advocate, yeah. will there be a Travis Frank in 20 years? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Hunters, it's our responsibility. And I'm gonna get, we're going to get into Pittman-Robertson here in a minute because we all play a role yep. in wildlife habitat. And the reality is hunters today are America's greatest conservationists, hands down. No Without question. a doubt. No question. Okay, so if we're not out there and we're not bringing new people out into the field, then we're failing the system ourselves. And when things go wrong, hunters in America can only blame ourselves. Tim, you're jumping in. It's no different than uh, it's the controversy around crossbows this year in Minnesota. Yeah. Wow, we're not going to get into that. It's a whole other topic. No, but I'm just saying. The people who were the bow hunters are more mad than anybody because they say it's not bow hunting. In reality, I want all hunters to have the same opportunity to hunt a deer. You can only shoot one deer for the most part anyway. Yeah. But you shoot your one deer, I don't care what if it's a bow, a crossbow, a muzzleloader, a rifle, or a shotgun. But get everybody out and enjoy life. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's our... That's it's about our, what we said yesterday. That's right? pretty much what, what we said. Yeah, we're like, we owe our job... Yes, it's fun to go out and hunt, and, and you and I, Brian, we yep. enjoy it. Everyone sitting here right now yep. enjoys the hunt. That's why we're here. That's why we're talking about it. But to pretend like we go out there and, you know, we can't talk about it being good or even saying a state, you know, like, it's, I, I don't know. I, I know there's a lot of greed in this world. Yeah, and, we, and we I know, talked about that yesterday, too, um, that everything is local, right? People yeah. want to protect their local spots. Yep. I get that. I get I that, too. I understand it. Yes. Um, but, you know, you mentioned Pittman-Robertson, right? So this is uh, a voted on. We voted. We said we want to put an excise tax on our equipment in order to fund wildlife conservation habitat forever. That means mm -hmm. state wildlife agencies are funded by these dollars that come from the manufacturers. If we don't, if there aren't people to buy our products and, and use them and continue the growth, the sustainability, there won't be, there won't be funds to protect these wildlife, these, these spaces for yeah. us to, to enact our, um, our passions. What do we do? <laughs> like, what do we do? How do we grow it? You try to grow it, then, then so that's but you get backlash. And maybe it's a small, loud population yes, that you hear? I think, I think that's sometimes can be the case where it's a very small population that is having the loudest voice, mm -hmm. uh, whereas 80%, so maybe it's an 80-20 rule where 20% has got this loud voice, but 80% are all supportive. They mm -hmm. want to do that. So you got to remind that, remind yourself that it's, it's a small group. Um, I, at least I'm going to pretend that I think it's a small group yeah. and um, know that a majority, a vast majority um, and are entertained, informed by what you guys do, what we do on our all of our marketing messages that we, we put out there as well. Right? Mm -hmm. We want people to experience the outdoors and just the wildlife and yeah. all the things that go with it. There's You still have to go out and accomplish finding a place, yep. getting permission, or walking public land and finding birds. And we hunted all publicly accessible properties last week in North Dakota. And we found birds, every one of them that we went to. So I think the next person that goes there is going to find a lot of success, too, based on the birds we took and the birds that were still there. We did not, we did not hurt the population. Um, and in upland birds, this has been brought up many, many times, especially pheasants. You could shoot every single rooster except for one in that square mile, and you're going to be okay the next year. In fact, it helps it to thin the population a little bit. 
So it's all about the habitat. Yep. It's all about the habitat in order for those populations to survive and thrive. And it hunting, while you do take some birds out of the population, especially with pheasants, you're not shooting the reproducers. You're not taking the hens out of there. And one rooster can mate with all of them. But I still, like, I don't know, Brian. I mean, I, I, I'm not, we didn't, it wasn't like we were flooded and we had to, like, shut the phone lines down from people complaining, but I got enough emails, personal messages, DMs, whatever you want to call them, on social channels and stuff of people complaining about it. And I'm thinking, well, then why are we producing a TV show in the first place, you know? Because you're, you're, you're doing your job as an advocate for the sport, advocate for the passion, advocate, and you're, you're providing entertainment. I mean, and information. So To entertain, educate, and inspire, I think exactly. is what we're trying to do with exactly. every show. So I would never let, I would never want you to stop doing what you're doing yeah. uh, just because of a, of a couple of DMs, right? And just think about 20 years ago, 15 years ago, there wasn't tools for people to have that direct contact. That's the, I think that's the argument, though, is they say it's different today. It is different today. And it is different because it's inf instant information yeah. that's out there. If you want it, you can find it. If you want to know what the counts are in every county in Minnesota, you can go find it. If you want to know where it is in the regions in Iowa, you can go find it. Yeah. You know, and the success shared on social media does move people around to different areas. Everyone's saying, holy cow, Iowa this year is going to be bonkers. And North Dakota numbers, look at 200%. I'm going. I'm guessing those states are going to love to see the uh, extra income they're going to get revenue from the licensing fees. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know who hurts? South Dakota. <laughs> they stopped promoting their own bird numbers. I, I didn't realize that, but, I mean, you, I, I, mean I, I spend enough time in South Dakota driving back and forth, mm -hmm. um, having kids in Sioux Falls and having friends out there. That This last spring, we were out turkey hunting out on the uh, Rosebud Reservation out by White River. And I had, I've been out there five or six years straight uh, doing an annual turkey hunt. Mm -hmm. I had visually never seen as many sharp tails as I've seen. Isn't that, in that great? Area. Oh, yeah. it's such a. I mean, you get out on the prairie. And, yep. You know, it's and it's just elect, and it was just it was an awesome, awesome experience. But yeah. I mean, so I visually know that I've never seen that many birds out there. So you know, the count is up. Mm -hmm. And if you say that, are you really? I mean, people still have to. I'm not giving them Latin lawn lines yeah. where exactly where I was, yeah. but then people have to go out and, and put some foot, boots to the ground and mm. do their own work. And if they do that, great. Right. Great. You know, the winter could wipe out the population and the next nesting season, it could be terrible. And Mother Nature is going to take those numbers down. And then you say, wow, maybe some other people could have enjoyed something so great because you take them out there and they get to experience that. And now you've got them hooked for life. Yeah. It doesn't take more than one hunt to get somebody to say, that was awesome. Yeah. I want to do that again. Yep. <laughs> and I want to get a dog. And you know what? And then. Can I go back? Yeah. I'm going to bring my son and I'm going to bring his fuddy, you know? Yep. And so you're just, grow you're allowing the, store the sport to grow and have sustainab sustainability of long term. Yeah. So I would say the majority of people are, um, they are, they see the right views yep. on being able to help hunters make hunting better for everybody. There are, maybe it's the 80-20 rule. Let's talk about the guy it's who... it's going to be less than 80-20. I, I don't know. I don't know. It could be 80-20, Brian. I mean, it might be 85-15. But let's talk about the guy who comes buzzing by you on a grouse trail and is an Argo. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we talked about this yesterday, and, and this is a good topic, and we actually talked about the office today, too, as well. Did you? Uh, we had it in our staff call, and we just you know, talk, talking about it generally. And, you know, I, I want everybody who wants to be out in the woods to have that opportunity. I, they buy a license. They do everything right. You're out there. Um, I'm not against somebody using an ATV to get out in the woods. If they have physical limitations and they grew up as a kid and they want to be still out there reliving all those passions and dreams and that they had, mm -hmm. and... They have, unfortunately have an un, a physical limitation and won't allow them to walk the five to seven miles. I know I'm going to walk in a day. They want to use an ATV. Actually, with your ankle, I'm not so sure you're going to make it. I can do it. it. <laughs> um, <laughs> or there's Will, there's a I'm way, pulling Travis. for you, yes. Um, 
and they have to use an ATV to enjoy their passions. I have no problem with that at all. Yeah. The only thing that I would that I suggest is the hunter ethics. That if you come to a trail, hunter ethics and etiquette. Yes. And etiquette. Come, and if yeah. you come to a trail, and somebody's on the trail, uh, whether if you're the walker or some or the ATV rider, respect that person's already on the trail. There's so much public land up north. Move on to another trail. Just the if you could take is, a left or right, and you see somebody's already on the left, go right. Go right. Give you know, just respect that person. Because what happened to you? We, I had my two springers out. Yeah. And we're clearly my springers are clearly working the working right in front of me, and a and a gentleman and his dog passed me on an argo. And so <laughs> I was like, I, I know I had the orange on. I my, you know me, my dogs have yeah. my their vests on all yeah. the time. So there's no way he could not see that I had two dogs in front of me because my dogs don't work out that far. They're springers, they're flushers. I want to be able to watch what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> he just passed me. Yeah. And I, he was an older gentleman, and I respected the fact that he wanted to be out there, and I would have been happy to give him the trail. But just to zoom right by me, I thought that the etiquette there... And then start hunting as the same way you're going. Yeah. You know, basically so just... So the etiquette there probably wasn't appropriate, but it just forced me to say, okay, what's my plan B? Mm -hmm. And I didn't let it, I didn't let it anger me. And it's okay. My plan B is to walk back to where the, where the trail split and I'll take the next trail. Yeah. And so I'm not going to let that discourage me. All I'm saying is that there, that people have to understand proper etiquette when they're out there. Totally. It's something I think I've touched on. I, I apologize if I'm repeating this story again, but, or this observation maybe but when you're out in the field you have an opportunity when you kind of come across other hunters to really determine how that's going to go there are i have seen some very rude hunters before and the interaction was not pleasant public land there this is you know i'm moving here you get out of the way and not so nice words and i think to myself it's this person that could be the rude one um and I, I'm not going to replay an exact story here, but essentially, there was a young kid standing there too, not saying anything, just watching how this, this guy that he was hunting with interacted with us and in a way that was completely uncalled for. And, you know, we took the, I don't know if we took the high road, but the kind road maybe. And my... Somebody mentioned, like, afterwards, wow, you were really nice to that guy. You sh he didn't deserve that. And I said to him, I didn't treat that guy kindly because he deserved to be treated kindly. I treated him kindly because there was a young boy watching. And I wanted that boy to have an opportunity to say, I can treat people the way he treated them, or I can treat people the way that this other guy that I've never met treated them. So that's... That's what I, I want to do because I know my kids are going to be out there with me some days. And I know that these opportunities could come up. So for if the 85, 15, 85 are great, be the 85. Be the 85. Be the 85. Be the 90. <laughs> be the, the 90. Let's make it 95. Yeah, exactly. Ah, I just don't get it. I, I mean, yes, we want to share the success. It's fun. It is fun. To share the success with other people. Then they're like, that looks great. Look at your kids are out there. We're sitting in, in, a, in a restaurant and somebody comes up and says, hey, I love what you guys are doing out there. I love that you're bringing your kids out there. I brought mine with too after I saw you do it because I thought I can do it too. Keep it up, please. So those are the type of interactions that keep me saying, all right, you're right. I'm not worried about the, the complaining that comes from somebody that wants to keep it their spot, yeah. even though it's public land. Yeah. Um, you know, the great ones are always the duck hunting opener. The openers where yeah, people are launching boats at the same same time, and you've got your areas where you traditionally go, and somebody's got a little faster motor, and they beat you to the spot. Well, it, you you can be angry, or you can say, "What's my plan B?" Mm -hmm. And guess what? I've had plan Bs that worked out way better than plan A's. Sure. So you have to go in that mindset. Okay. okay Let's have a plan A. That's, you know, plan A is this, plan B is this, plan C. And if anything is derailed, it's not going to ruin your day out there. And mm -hmm. don't ruin other people's day just because you feel, that's what I'm saying, is don't, don't bundle onto it. Right. Don't, don't make it worse. I didn't mean to really get on this no, tangent but you're, but tonight. You're, you're right. No, it's, it's a great conversation. And it might 
it might spur some people to think twice. Yeah. Hey, that's not, there doesn't have to be conflict out there. Right. There doesn't have to be confrontation. There's almost if, always if enough room. Yeah. And typically, to, good things happen to people that, that choose the high road. Hey, Rob, this is your opportunity to jump in and talk about your Annie Oakley. You want to wanna talk about knocking us out? Oh, Jumping on in here. I just want to know the email that I got today. What was the rationale behind some smiley faces and thumbs up? And well, I, like I didn't. I mean, you know, you're one of our partners, Brian. So I didn't. I didn't want you to think that I was being, you know, that mean. <laughs> How good did it feel? It, well, I mean, I felt bad for Brian, but it, it felt great to take you and Scott Franson out the most. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you. And that's all the airtime that Rob's going to get on this show. You want to take a quick break? It's time to start planning your next bird hunt. If you've listened to this podcast for any time at all, then you know where I'm about to send you. That's to North Dakota. Why? Well, it's one of the greatest places on earth to watch a bird dog in the field. That's why. In North Dakota, you can experience a waterfall hunt during the peak of the fall migration and have the best upland hunt all in the same day. I've done it many times. That's why I know it's true. Plus, this year, the spring pheasant crowing counts were up 30% from last year, and the weather has been looking good for a strong hatch. Water levels are up way up, which means the total number of wetlands are up too, 76% above the long-term average, and that means more ducks and geese. The state's breeding duck index was the 23rd highest on record this year, 39% above the long-term average at 3.4 million. All of this means more pheasants than last year, more ducks than last year, and I'm hearing excellent reports about the sharp-tailed grouse and Hungarian partridge, too. Start planning your world-class hunt in North Dakota at HelloND.com. If you're an active outdoorsman or woman on the go, then odds are good that you have toys and equipment that you need to haul. Well, our friends at Aluma Trailers, they've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa, right here in the good old USA. They have models for all of your hauling needs, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say that Aluma Trailers tow gear like a dream. Their trailers are constructed out of lightweight, strong, corrosion-resistant aluminum, and they are 100% maintenance-free. Plus, they come with an industry-best five-year warranty. Visit alumaklm.com to find a trailer that fits your needs. The Onyx Hunt app is one of the most valuable hunting tools that I take into the field every day, and now that app is available in our vehicles. Yep, Onyx did it. They launched Apple CarPlay. That means when you plug your phone into your vehicle, you now have the option to open up the Onyx app right on the dash of your hunting rig. No more holding your phone while driving, which is obviously dangerous, and you get all of the same layers on your vehicle dash that you get on your phone. You can see the aerial view of your location while driving down the road, just like you'd see if you're using your own maps, apps, Waze, or Google Maps. Except now you can find out if the properties around you are open to the public, the landowner's name that owns the land. And if you're in North Dakota, you can see if that land is posted without even touching your phone. To use this feature, simply make sure your Onyx app is up to date. And if you're not an iPhone user, don't worry. Onyx is currently working on the same platform for Android phones too. Apple CarPlay, the latest incredible feature from Onyx Hunt. Always know where you stand and now where you drive with Onyx Hunt. All right, we're back. I do want to mention, though, that the Bear Cave Brewing has an Oktoberfest event coming up with live music, beer poking, games, beer release, and food specials on Saturday, this upcoming Saturday, October 7th, starting at 1 p.m. It's a really cool venue here, actually. Really I mean, they've is. got three levels. We're on the rooftop right now. You can bring your dog up on the rooftop here. Uh, but they have a like an intimate room. Then they have two different levels, and then all these taps are on the wall. And you just scan your card, and you can pick whatever you want. Yeah, it's a all the different there. beers on there. And they've got some obviously some very good food because the pizza smells outstanding. Yeah, I've eaten the food as well. It's it's delicious. It's a cool cool place here. So again, they've got their Oktoberfest event October seventh. Come on out for that. Uh, we had three, I believe, podcasts here last year, and. Um, we may do some more. I, I'm not entirely sure. We've got a show coming up in South Dakota here in a couple weeks, a live show that we're going to be doing on October 12th. I'll get the details on that for next week's episode. I don't have them with me right now. 
But we're excited about that one too because that's kicking off pheasant season in oh, South yeah. Dakota over there. So, You're heading up in the I morning. Mean, Nope, I'll be up at the National Rough Grouse Society. No, oh, I just meant you're heading up in the morning, oh, I believe. Yes. Yep, up yep. north to northern well, Minnesota. And this is another thing I wanted to to talk about. The, the, the rough grouse population this year, I don't know where we're at in our cycle because I feel like it's always it's, misreported. It's, but in the last couple of years, it has to be on an up cycle because the numbers, I started grouse hunting about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. That's about the time I got my first dog. And um, I haven't seen the number. The last two or three years have been just a lot more numbers than the first four or five I hunted. Um, where we'd go out in the, state, you know, in the Paul Bunyan State Forest and uh, not see a bird all day long. Uh, and on a given weekend, maybe see two, three. Mm -hmm. and now we're seeing four, five, six in a day. Yeah. And it's great. I mean, I've heard numbers that I don't even know that I want to repeat that strong where people have been out with their dogs and seeing you know just ridiculous numbers of rough grouse and i hope that's the case across you know the rough grouse areas that are the stronghold here in the midwest you know minnesota wisconsin michigan um you know even into ontario and i mean some of those areas obviously yep. there's a lot of birds up there but for us here locally a lot of our listeners here in bird country uh for rough grouse Everything is positive. Yep. I talked to um, a friend of ours, mutual friend of ours from Kansas, and he was just in Wyoming and Colorado, and I forget, somewhere Kansas. I'm not sure where he was. But he's up in the mountains, and he said the blue grouse hunting was quite a bit, you know, the numbers were quite a bit higher than the last couple of years. Everywhere that people have been going lately, and I don't know if it's just the optimism as hunting seasons are opening right now, but... I've not had a bad report. Have you? No, uh, you know, and I, social media, that's where one area I think you can really understand. It, again, it's local, it's mm -hmm. anecdotal for some people, but, you know, uh, the Minnesota Grouse Hunting page on Facebook is just, I've never seen them on the volume of success mm. and limits. And so people are having great success. The, they keep reporting, numbers are up. People that said they, they saw 60 flushes in a day. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I'm hearing too. Crazy. I didn't want to say that because then people would be like, oh, whatever. We're not giving locations. <laughs> right. We're just saying. No, but they're like, that doesn't saying, even happen. People that's on there yeah. saying they're seeing 60 flushes a day. Yeah. And I have a group of friends heading up uh, next week to the Arrowhead region, and I'm excited to hear how they do. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I will be. I have a report of a limit out of the Arrowhead region from somebody that I... Not saying that I'm surprised that he got it, but I'm happy for him, you know. And that was opening weekend. The leaves are still, you know, pretty thick out there, yeah, and it's only going to get better. Yeah, it's only going to get better as we get into October. And you know, in a couple of weeks, there's the Rough Grouse Society event up in uh, Grand Rapids. Excited to participate in that again too, as well. And yeah, um, so um, you're going to do that. The Rough Grouse Society has their big event up there. Nashville. Yep. yep. Nashville. And explain to somebody listening what that event is about and why they host it there every year. I think their, their primary goal is to understand the population and how the birds are, the health of the birds, basically. And then, all the, of course, the forest, too, and all the different um, land rotations that they do, all the mm -hmm. different um, harvest, timber harvests and all that stuff. So they're able to really make it a scientific ex experiment, a scientific gathering event. And they can take all those results out and then understand best practices moving forward. Yeah. And that's up in the Grand Rapids area. Yep. And that's just headquarters? That's where the Grand Rapids headquarters. And then they have a bunch of volunteer huntsmen that come in and take the participants out to the different areas. I've hunted everywhere from um, down by uh, Aiken, closer to Aiken, and then mm -hmm. all the way back up. Again, I'm not going to give specific locations because right? <laughs> these huntsmen are sure. very generous in their time. Yeah. All the way up to um, Little Fork and that area, up yeah. there, Marcel. There's, there's a tremendous amount of public properties up in that area. And I think the biggest thing, too, this is how I feel about it. It's more so about the age of the trees and the habitat yes. than it is the part of the state. Because you can go to an old growth or a young growth in all different parts of our state and Wisconsin. I was in Wisconsin last year. I saw the same over there that I saw in Minnesota too. Just really solid numbers. But you have to seek out the right habitat, yep, that's obviously. The key. 
And it's good to have the local knowledge up to that they can they know exactly where the rotations are in the crop mm-hmm. that the trees that have been harvested and so they know that where the new growth is and they're willing to share it. They're willing to share it and you and it's just an outstanding event and very fortunate that you know Federal's a sponsor of the event or sponsor of the Rough Grouse Society just like Rough just like Pheasants Forever and um, it's really a, a great event. It's worth somebody to join the membership there as well as they as well as Pheasants Forever. Yeah. Uh, if you had a choice, would you go grouse hunting or would you go pheasant hunting? So that's a that's a loaded question. <laughs> and until this year, I probably would have gone pheasant hunting. On so I would have gone to the rough grouse event, mm-hmm. and then on Friday night after the auction and the, and the, all the different activities they have in the farewell dinner, Saturday morning get up drive to get ready for pheasant hunting. I I have a new hunting partner. Ah, we were going to get there. We were going to get uh, there. So this year, on Saturday, a pheasant opener, instead of uh, going to the pheasant opener, I'm going to stay up in my neck of the woods with some friends, and we're going to grouse hunt, just because I did something crazy and got an English setter. What were you thinking, (laughs) and why did that happen? Did Daisy rub off on you? (laughs) Maybe, (laughs) but um, I think, well, you know, we were out a couple years ago with George Lauer our friend George together. Yeah. And um, I got, I got, I saw the pointers and how they worked. <laughs> I've, I've been around. What a wild pointers. world. Everything comes back to George Lyle on this show. <laughs> Everything always does. You know, another friend up in, in the Grand Rapids area has a German yeah. short hair pointer and I've hunted over him for years or her for years. And I just, I love grouse hunting and I didn't have a, you got, you know, I always call my dogs the ruffians, right? Yeah. They're just ruffians. They're just flushers. They're, there's there's springers but i I love the game um and so and i watch dogs their pointing dogs go on point call my springers back and then i can bring them up and you know release them on the bird and get the flush it's Mm -hmm. the funnest game ever i love it there's nothing and like but i always have to rely on somebody else to have the pointer so anymore i have a very uh forgiving Loving wife. Bless her. Who said we could have a third dog. <laughs> I love it. So just happened to be scrolling through Facebook and saw somebody that had an English setter. They had, he had two English setters, and um, he was available. And mm-hmm. uh, I made the call, and we went, I took my youngest son over to, uh, to also see the dog and get some opportunities to interact with the puppy and make sure that it was the right fit. And, Two hours later, we're driving home with Oakley. Oakley is a beauty. She is so pretty. She looks so similar to Daisy. Yep. Very similar, Just except longer for hair. longer hair. And, and a tricolor on the, the nose. Yes, on her face. And I showed my wife the pictures last night when I got home, and she's like, oh, my goodness. We still can't get a second dog yet, but that is a beautiful dog. And I'm like, we'll get a second one here pretty soon. So if- we're, we're, so I, we talked about this. I had her... Um, I brought her down to Dawkins mm-hmm. and Oak Ridge Kennel down there, and Mike Weaven trained her. And um, he, he was commenting that he had not very often had he seen a dog that had the drive to hunt, the in, insatiable drive to hunt, the desire to retrieve. I mean, she, she would bring that pigeon or whatever the, right to my hand and drop it, give it to me right in my hand. I was like, this is unbelievable. Because sometimes yeah. pointers just move on to the next, next bird. Um, they're not really concerned about picking up. That's why you have the ruffians like Springers to go. <laughs> right. And then uh, and she loves to swim. We have her up at the lake cabin, yeah. and you, you can't keep her out of the water. Well, you saw my dog. Yeah. She retrieved all eight of our ducks on opening day here a couple days ago. My boy, he got three wood ducks and two teal. She went out, swam out, grabbed them all. A couple went in the weeds. She came back with them. I mean, she's just a machine. That's She why loves it. Can't pigeonhole. I know their breeds are specialized, right? They're yeah. specialized breeds. But will you hunt? Will you duck hunt with your setter? Do you think? I, I don't think so. Not, not, not right away. I want to get yeah. her in the grouse woods. Like I told you, my boy went out on opening duck hunting, and he took mm-hmm. uh, my Springer, and and he got four or five retrieves on their ducks too. So uh, yeah. it's just people. People say, "Well, you got to have a lab to waterfall hunt." Uh, I think you and I could differ with that. I I didn't expect it. That's just a pleasant bonus. Yes. But I think a dog, most dogs, I would say, people that have a dog, they would agree that they can do more than we probably give them credit for 
And they're not going to be able to do something if they don't have the opportunity to do it. So you just try it, you know, and I did have Daisy Point, one of the down ducks one time, but I still got the duck. And, you know, when she sees it out in the water and like she, her eyes, you know, how you always used to see those videos of labs and their eyes are always watching it. Here's this setter, you know, pointer mix that I have. And she's sitting there just, you know, just wants it so bad. And she knows she can't go anywhere until I give her the okay, you know, but she's like a missile out there. And she'll go, you know, two point, I think 2.3 miles an hour. That's her swim speed. So she gets out there and gets back. Yeah, pretty quick. You could be trolling crankbaits behind that. That's how I found out how fast she went. (laughs) She jumped out when we were fishing and I was moving at that speed and she kept up because she went for some geese that were honking and swimming by and she couldn't take anymore. So she jumps out the back of the boat and I'm like, well, I'm moving at this speed. At first it was, I usually troll, you know, Rapala shad wraps at 1.9. That's a pro, you know, yeah, that's 1. a 1.7 to 2.1 is where I'm always yeah, into. Yeah, 1.9 is a magic speed for Rapala Shadrafts, I'm telling you. 2.1 is kind of like the top of it, but yeah. So she's keeping up, catching up, so I crank it up a little bit, and her cruising speed is like 2.3. Nice. She might be able to go a little faster, but that's just like when she puts it in, you know. We talk about fishing, I look over your shoulder, and there's a full, it's a full moon. We should be on Malax or Winnie right now. Oh, they're biting. Trolling crankbaits in shallow water, eight four to eight feet of water. Yes. Oh my goodness. See, that's this is, this that's why, why you and I got right. so sidetracked yesterday because all of a sudden we're trying to plan a trip into our schedules here to go grouse hunting. I'm like, I'll bring the boat, and I know the couple lakes over there, and it will be a blast and cast because this time of the year, that's a problem. This is this, why we live in Minnesota. This is why we live here. This is why yep. we live here. This is we live for these exact kind of days right there. That's a beautiful dog you've got there. Beautiful dog. Did, did anybody want to want to jump in here with any questions or anything? Looking a little hesitant. You got you got smiles. I don't know. They're showing pictures over there. Everyone's kind of busy here. Um, anything that you, you know, as far as ammunition side of it, heading into this season that we didn't already cover that people should think about, you know, if they want a custom, I know you guys have custom We do have options. a custom shop. Yeah. Uh, it's a factory within the side of the, the factory, so uh, we can uh, design a load for you as well, whether it's shot shell and, and centerfire rifle. So, you know, some of the calibers and some of the bullets, we don't um, load, you know, in, in large quantities in our factory loaded ammunition. You can certainly go on and check out the custom shop on our website. Do you have any good stories from hunts with, Tom Knapp or any of the other legendary hunters? Oh, you know, I love hunting with Ron Shira. Yeah? <laughs> I love What's a good Ron, Ron story? Oh, it's probably a miss, I'm assuming. No. no. <clears throat> you don't have to be nice to him. He's not here. He didn't show up. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know, Travis. There's so many good stories. I've had the pl- pleasure of hunting with so many great people. Yourself. I mean, it's just, um, it's good that we get out in the field and share our passions. I I love, I love every opportunity I get to hunt with anybody. Yeah. I know I've had people that, you know, they've sent a message like, wow, you have a lot of friends, you know, like people that I meet and I consider you a friend. Like we text, you know, throughout the year, even not during hunting season or go to like a, a hockey game I, I, or something, you like, know, but like. We talk about, we text hockey <laughs> and everybody knows, everybody yeah. that knows me. I know very little about the sport of hockey, but when we get a chance to go to a game together, yeah. I just love it. I know. It's the camaraderie. When you go spend time, in, I think what I'm getting at is uh, you make friends really quickly yes. when you spend time in the field hunting with people, and that's what I have been blessed to do, meet a lot of people, yourself included, just like you. You've spent a lot of time in the field with people, and you almost always leave the field as friends. friends. It's Absolutely. really hard not to. I mean, you spend time at camp together at hunting camp. I mean, it's... It's so easy to bond when you have that shared common love for the outdoors and the birds and the hunt itself and dogs. Yep. I mean, and look at you. You got a pointer. You got a setter running out there. I know. I got but you, what did, why would you? Dog I know, but you. Ruffians. What's up with that? I know, but you said something yesterday. I was like, this isn't going to work. You train your dog to stay within 40 yards of you. You got to let her. You got to let her go out there and explore the world a little bit, Dad. I, I probably will uh, pheasant and the open in the open grass where mm-hmm. if we're out there you get out into South Dakota and I'll probably let her run a little further but in the grouse woods I, I love watching dogs work and I just want to have her a little closer I can't wait to go into the woods and listen to the bell you put a bell on and it's different it's a different 
sensation. It's a different um, love than what, like I'm with you. I like to go to North Dakota for the variety of birds. I also like to go to North Dakota because there's a lot of shorter grass prairie and I get to watch Daisy out there doing her thing. I don't like going into cattails if I'm being completely honest. I don't know a lot of pheasant hunters that like walking through cattails. They just know that that's where the birds are so they have to do it. But I don't like it. (laughs) And so I like to go to places where I can watch her. But similarly, in a grouse woods, I love that I can walk in the woods and I see her here and there, but I hear her. You hear that bell and all of a sudden the bell stops. A couple seconds later, and I look down, Daisy's on point 72 yards, you know. I just, there's something aesthetically, unexplainably appealing to me about being in the woods when the colors are like that. And I like to see her too, but I know that we are more effective as a team when I let her out to trust herself. And I've built that trust. And I I believe you're going to build that trust with yours too. I mean, based on what my, if Mike Weaven says you got a good dog, you've got a good dog. I'm excited to get her out this weekend. I'm, you know, it's going to get her out Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, watch the weather, of course. Make sure that um, I don't, it's it's going to be warm this weekend. So anybody who's got their dogs out, mm-hmm. please be careful yep. um, not to overexert them. I know that they don't, because they can't regulate themselves. We have talked about this. So you have to, as their owner, have to help with that. Um, so mm-hmm. just be careful. Um, I mentioned this on two podcasts ago, but you weren't there. Listeners have been sending me messages and emails about this, asking what kind of wire cutters I carry. I carry a Nipix wire cutters in my vest. And Brian, I think you should too. I cut a dog out of a snare. I think I showed you the video yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, that's right. And for people that have been asking specific model, just just search online Nipix, K-N-I-P-E-X, wire cutters. Red handle, it'll cut through pretty heavy gauge wire. It's like a pliers, basically, and it fits in your vest. Pretty simple. It can save your dog. Um, we also had extreme heat up in Alberta. And I know we've talked about this on other shows, but just a reminder, if it's warm out there, your dog's paws, your dog's belly, their underside, if you can cool that down, that's going to cool the dog down faster than dog, you know, water on top yeah. of your dog, too. Yeah, yeah you'll, if you get a chance, to, like if we see a little slew, let them go in there to get their chest Absolutely. In, into their chest. They're, they're usually they're, going to do that yeah, on their own. On their own. But yeah, just get yep. it. That's what I like to do is make sure my dogs get their chest covered. And if they come out a little muddy, big deal. You'll right. Wash them off when they get wash home. Wash them off when they get home. My dog came out black from that duck slew, and she loved every single second of it. Yeah, I can't I, wait to get back I, out in the field. Yeah. Brian, appreciate you making time to come Thank out you, here Travis. tonight. It's a beautiful Always night. A the hunting season is coming up. Can't wait to watch Oakley hunt. But I know you got... A lot of great days in the woods, and we'll we'll join whenever we can. We'll, out there. we'll make it happen this year. Yeah, might be late season, but we'll get we'll get. Ah, 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 no, no, no! It's gonna be earlier than you think. Okay, I might call you in a couple of days here and meet you up in the woods. Sounds good. Yes, I need to get up there. I need to listen to the bell. I'm I'm jonesing. I just have to do it. And I appreciate everybody that came out tonight. Sorry for the technical difficulties on the audio setup here. But uh, we'll have everything squared away for the October 12th show in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. More details coming on that next week in the episode. Appreciate Bear Cave Brewing tonight for hosting us here. And again, they have their Oktoberfest coming up October 7th. Hopefully, if you're free, if you're not hunting, you can swing over here and check that out as well. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Flesh Podcast. <laughs>